It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Victory Monday here on Locked On Dolphins. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. It is Monday, December 7th, and your Miami Dolphins are 8-4 and four on the season, which guarantees that in year two of the Brian Flores era, the Miami Dolphins, at worst, will be a 500 football team. 8-8 eight and eight is mathematically the worst that this season can do. The haters said it could not be done. The haters are wrong. whole lot of haters in Cincinnati this morning, I would imagine, but that's fine. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch because Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. It isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. We watched the Dolphins secure their eighth win of the season yesterday. And uh, I have a lot of feelings and thoughts about this football game. And uh, some of my hotter opinions uh, really stem from the Cincinnati Bengals side of things. Um, I think it's very telling when an NFL head coach storms across the field and makes sure the other team knows that what they're doing on the field is bullshit. And excuse my French, but that's what we saw from the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals, oh, game was chippy, guys put in tough spots. Shut up, Zach Taylor. I'm sitting here watching replays of Solomon Kinley pushing a guy off the pile at the end of a play before the whistle blew, and Sean Williams gets up after the whistle, puts his hand on Solomon Kinley's calf, and intentionally and directly cleats him and steps on him and walks over his calf when Solomon Kinley, mind you, has been dealing with a lower leg injury for the last month after the whistle. Michael Thomas thinks it's funny that Dolphins fans and players are pissed off that he's going down teeing off on 170-pound Jakeem Grant on punt return every single time, and yet somehow is magically allowed to play in the game despite two personal foul penalties on that exact play. He did it twice, and he's on Instagram after the game thinking it's funny getting his rocks off about how Miami is mad about his play. I don't know about funny, but you know what's fun? Winning football games. Mike? I don't know how funny fines are going to be. It's a loser mentality. And it shows why the Cincinnati Bengals are in the position that they are in versus having 
a team that stands up for each other, isn't going to play dirty. They might play edgy. They might play chippy. And I know that was Tyler Boyd's big exception with what happened at the end of the first half in which he and Xavier Howard got ejected on, quite frankly, a joke of an excuse to eject two players from a football game. There was no reason for either Tyler Boyd or Xavier Howard to be ejected at the end of the first half. That was chippy. But what you saw elsewhere wasn't chippy. It was Bush League. And it's the kind of stuff that a team that's bad does to try and bring down another opponent that's better to them to their level to try to even the playing field and get them out of their game. Sorry to say it didn't work, Cincinnati. But I walked away from this football game, and I had a lot of thoughts and opinions about what Cincinnati tried to accomplish throughout the course of this football game, which I don't know if it was trying to win the football game. And good for Brian Flores, and good for Devontae Parker, and good for Mac Hollins for standing up for their teammates, because this team, it's not a pushover. Try and play disciplined and within the rules of the game and not be penalized. But if you keep swinging up, this team's going to punch back. And I love that. And I know Brian Flores after the game in the post game said he wished he'd kept his composure a little bit more. Oh, and, and not doing things to hurt the team. But Brian Flores showing what he showed to be a leader of that team and say, don't pull that shit on us. It's nonsense. And it was nonsense. And it's how you get somebody hurt. And for a while, it looked like Jakeem Grant was hurt. Brian Flores putting his foot down and walking across the field this team will run through a brick wall for him. I would run through a brick wall for him, and I only cover the team. And I guarantee you, this team will be stronger and more bound as an end result of this football game for seeing players, players that have things to lose, Devontae Parker, standing up for his teammate. Head coach Brian Flores standing up for his players. He said in the postgame, they're like my kids. And to see him be willing in-game to put that in action. Think about the last two head coaches this football team has had. Just humor me. Adam Gase. When's the last time Adam Gase did anything to stand up for his players? Adam Gase's entire MO is, I'm going to throw my players under the bus because they're not executing my plays right. And it's not my fault that the team stinks. The players aren't executing. Joe Philbin. You think a scrum breaks out? You think Joe Philbin, somebody hits his player dirty, hits his quarterback low, gets him hurt, hits his punt returner twice on some nonsense play? You think Joe Philbin's walking across the field and yelling at the other team? No. No. This is the same head coach that got a little queasy with a lead in the fourth quarter against the Packers. This team's different. This coach is different. And this team will be better. And I think I, I wish 
it was something that the fan base uh, could bottle up and apply as well. You know, after the game, midway point of the game, everybody's frustrated. Fans on social media are frustrated at the halfway point of the game. It's 7-6. The Dolphins are lucky that it's 7-6 because they were playing offensively with bad field position the entire game, the entire first half, I should say. And one bad play was all it took. One bad play, and the Bengals are up at halftime. And then Xavier Howard gets bounced from the game on a play in which he didn't even commit a penalty. It's amazing how that works. Um, some people, oh, we need to switch to Fitz. I know Armando Salguero said it. The, the CBS broadcast at, at halftime said it. You know, need to consider a switch to Fitz for a spark. Well, they found the spark, and the spark's name was Tempo. The spark's name was not Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I don't know, you know, Brian Flores was extremely explicit about it and transparent. He said, if Tua Tungvalo is healthy, he is our starting quarterback. So fans, you know, looking over their shoulder at Fitz and wanting Fitz and like, this is who we got. We got Tua is the quarterback. And you can have opinions, but man, I, I wish, you know, there wasn't this Tua versus Fitz divide. We're all on the same team. We're all pulling in the same direction. And our football team for the first time since 2003 is 8-4. and four. This should be the best time of our lives in the past two decades as fans of this football team. Because at least in 2020 at 8-4, you've got a rookie potential franchise quarterback on your roster, and you've got a young stud head coach in Brian Flores. 2003 team didn't have that. They had an elite defense, an inept offense, and Dave wants that. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about. Let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone's craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash, and you can continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your front door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero in delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Locked On, That's $5 off your first order and zero in delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and use the code LOCKEDON. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Big picture view for this team, man. We started three rookies on the offensive line. It was awesome to see Robert Hunt maintain the starting right tackle job. Eric Flowers, it sounds like he's avoided a major injury. That's a huge win for the Dolphins. Uh, 
but Solomon Kinley moved to, to left guard. Jesse Davis in at right guard. You had three rookies on the offensive line. Left tackle, left guard, right tackle. Tua Valoa was not sacked yesterday. Tua Valoa had 39 pass attempts yesterday. Tua Valoa passed for 296 yards and very easily could have had more. Were there warts? Yes. The first half was awful because, again, field position-wise, they were so bogged down. They were trying to avoid the negative play that was going to flip the game. Ended up being a very conservative first half. But tempo, right? When Cincinnati missed the field goal, and it was 7-3, with 54 seconds left in the half. And they went tempo, and Tua executed it to the degree in which he did. We took the training wheels off at halftime. And I'm totally fine with, in instances, playing conservative with Tua Tungvaluwa, which is what this Dolphins coaching staff seems to, to be committed to doing a lot of the time. I'm okay with that. Thought we ran a lot of RPO concepts for him to make decisions. He made some good ones. He missed some reads. It's going to happen. He's a rookie. But you can't play conservative with him out the gate, right? You got to let him sling the ball around a little bit. One of the big things I said coming into this football game was Miami would be well served to try to pass to set up the run. Well, they didn't really embrace that in the first half. A lot of early down runs. Well, then we went no huddle and we started playing with tempo. And Tua started slinging the ball around a little bit. Team finishes with 400 yards of offense for the first time since week five against the San Francisco 49ers. Best offensive output easily after the bye. By 61 yards over last week versus the Jets. Guys, this is this was an exciting football game for a lot of reasons. Was it perfect? No, of course it was not. And and the biggest area of concern that I have, well, there's two, and they're they're both critical components of winning football games. Third downs and the low red zone. So third downs, the Dolphins, uh, they did not convert a third down until the fourth quarter of this football game. They really struggled to uh, consistently move the chains, and the Dolphins had a number of instances in which they were in third and shorts and tried to run the football, and that formula did not work for the Dolphins. Miami, one of 10 on third downs, one for one on fourth down. In the low red zone, the Dolphins in the red zone yesterday against the Bengals were one for four converting touchdowns. And I generally speaking, like, I get trying to run the ball. I get the end zone of the goal line fades that you run to Devontae Parker. That's been a formula that's had success. But what you get into the low red zone, which is inside the, the 5-10 yard line, so there's high, which is 11 to 20, and low, which is closer to the goal line. Uh, the Dolphins refused to, to give up on the idea of running the ball for a touchdown. And they need to. They need, they need to forget about it because you're not going to beat flooded gaps with any consistency. <laughs> the Dolphins 
uh, they kicked field goals of 25, 23, and 19 yards of distance. Very frustrating and a little concerning because that is somewhere along the lines of the formula that we saw put into play against, oh, I don't know, the Seattle Seahawks in week four, in which the Dolphins kicked a bunch of field goals they liked and not to go forward on fourth down and fourth and five, fourth and two, fourth and three, and they kicked field goals in those instances, and they had played a perfect game for fifty-eight or for 52 minutes, and they cut the score to 17 to 15. Needed a defensive stop, get the ball back, potentially go down and take a lead. Well, they didn't get a stop. Russell Wilson, his helmet went out, and he called the plays on the field, and they went down the field and scored a touchdown. Ryan Fitzpatrick plays fast, throws a bad interception on the subsequent possession. Three plays later, Seattle's in the end zone again, and now you've gone from a two-point game to a 16-point game that it eventually became a 31-23 to loss for the Dolphins. You can't have the struggles the Dolphins had in the end zone, or in the red zone, the low red zone, and expect to win the next four football games. You cannot do it against the Chiefs. You cannot do it against the Patriots, because that's going to be a possession-based game. They're going to play clock control. You're not going to get a bunch of possessions. you got to make them count. You're may be able to get away with that against the Raiders. The Raiders had to squeak out a win uh, against the Jets on a terrible play call. And Buffalo, we've already done this song and dance. Three of the next four games for the Dolphins, you have to be better in the low red zone. Some of that will stem from Tua Tungvaloa as well. Because I know there's a lot of criticism. There's no bigger divide in the fan base between everybody versus Chan Gailey. Everybody hates Chan Gailey. But I like Chan Kaley's play design. I think his play calling is a little clunky, but they do some really nice things conceptually, and they had a touchdown on an RPO in the low red zone, but Tua gave the ball instead of pulling it and throwing it to Adam Shaheen on a slice coming out uh, across the set. They had a touchdown. They had at least one that they left on the board, and you could look to a play and say, yeah, we missed there. I don't think the play calling was particularly setting anybody up for success. I also think Tua missed Mac Hollins from the slot on a slant on another trip to the red zone. There's blame to go around, and it's I know it's easy to just shovel it all on Shane Gailey's plate and say, well, call better plays. He does need to call better plays. We need to stop running in the low red zone on first and second down. You're not going to get it. You're, you're just not going to pop one off magically. They're flooding gaps. You're outgapped. It's not going to happen. You've got a mobile quarterback. Roll them out. Do a half-field read. But, from an execution perspective, that was something that Tua Tungvaloa said himself after the game. He was asked explicitly um, about what he needs to do. And he said, I need to help our guys start a lot faster offensively. I think the guys knew what we wanted to do with their game plan, but I wasn't really playing in sync with how the guys were out there. I think things started clicking towards the end of the first half, and then in the second half, we kind of knew what we wanted to do to get going in the second half, which, of course, was rooted in tempo. I love that response from Tua. I loved his response in playing and playing at a high level once he got settled in. Obviously, the monster third quarter for him. He more than doubled his passing yardage from the entirety of the Broncos game in the third quarter against the Bengals. 
I Temple may not be an identity piece for this Dolphins offense, and I understand why, because if you play fast and it, they're going to lean hard on their defense no matter what. And if you play fast and it flops, then your defense is back on, on the field really quick. But we got to be honest about what we do and don't have. We're not going to grind it out. We're not going to churn out tough yards on the ground right now. You're going to have to RPO out of it. And you're going to have to be willing to take some vertical shots over the top, like the vertical shot that Tua Tungavailoa took that Jakeem Durant dropped on the deep post. I hate that he dropped it. I, I hate that he dropped it. But what a throw. Those are the kind of shots you got to be willing to dial up a couple times a game to loosen up teams that want to play in the box and say, oh, okay, they're going to play inside of 15 yards. Let's crowd all 11 guys in there. Or 10 out of 11 and play one guy 20 yards deep in deep middle. We get that a lot defensively from opposing teams. Defensively, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals had two plays that accounted for 94 yards of offense, a 72-yard touchdown strike on a third and short that everybody pointed to Byron Jones for taking a bad angle. Yes, but Brandon Jones, who was in the game for Eric Rowe at the time, could have done a better job attacking the outside man to flatten that and get outside leverage anyway. I know the the broadcast said, oh, Byron Jones took this angle too flat. He's got to work over the top. Well, if you overrun it from the top, he's going to cut back inside and you're off to the races anyway. You're the inside man. Play it inside out. But Brandon Jones has to fight through that contact and get to the boundary and force the cut to come back into Eric Rowe. Team defense. One bad play, 72 yards. And another one on fourth and two or fourth and three that T. Higgins took for 22 yards. Broke a tackle from Byron Jones on that play. Please do not slander Brandon Jones on the timeline. He's a very good player. Just because he doesn't convert turnovers. This is the same mistake Dallas Cowboys fans did. Oh, Brandon, or Byron Jones stinks. He never intercepts a ball. Da, 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 da. Well, <laughs> go look at the Dallas secondary this year. They're already pining to have Byron Jones back. Wishing that they did. The rest of the game, Cincinnati, the rest of the game, outside of those two plays, they ran 48 plays and got 102 yards. 2.12 yards per play outside of two explosive plays, one of which, rookie mistake on the boundary, and not a great angle by Byron Jones, if you want to get if you want to cast criticism that way. And the other one was simply a missed tackle on fourth and two. 12 first downs for the Bengals, 96 total yards, two turnovers, three of 12 on fourth down. Lost the time of possession battle by about five minutes. And you would have thought the world was ending on the timeline. First half of this game. It was exhausting, but from a field position perspective, even in the first half, the Bengals were barely on pace to get 300 total yards of offense in the entirety of the game in the first half when they were winning 7-6. to six. They just had adv- advantageous field position because the Dolphins were ba- bogged up and backed up inside their own 10, 15, 20, 25-yard line for most of the first half. 196 yards, 
25 in the second half. 40 yards rushing. In a game that really wasn't, they were losing at halftime. And they still only gave up 40 yards rushing. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less. Up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Granted, Bengals offensive line is about as bad as and as poor as their taste in post-play extracurriculars. It's bad. Didn't have Joe Mixon. Brandon Allen, Ryan Finley played quarterback. But you know what? This was the best yardage performance from the Dolphins' defense all season. The previous low was 259 against San Francisco in Week 5. All the conversation about how how bad the offense was or how bad this team looks at times and playing down to their opposition. Miami has won the last two football games against bad football teams by an aggregate score of 39 to 10. They have accounted for 45 first downs versus 22 for opposing teams. And they have logged 751 yards of offense versus conceding 456 yards of offense. They've won the turnover battle. They've outrushed both of these football teams. I don't know what our expectations are other than to win every game 42-7. to The Dolphins choked the life out of the Bengals defensively. Best defensive performance of the season. Bar none. And it's what you would expect this defense to do. And yeah, when you're down 7-3 and they're constantly in 3rd and 3, you're not going to be able to swarm them on defense. But the Dolphins figured it out, played complimentary football, and we're off to the races. This was a great team win. Moving to 8-4 and four is a huge deal. We have the Kansas City Chiefs this week. I know there's questions about Devontae Parker's availability based on the scrum. 
and Matt Collins and so on and so forth. I do want to tip the cap to Lynn Bowden for showing up and showing up in a good way. Uh, he made some really positive contributions to this team. He was targeted four times. He caught all four passes for 41 yards. He accounted for 52 yards of offense because he rushed the ball once out of the backfield and he had 41 receiving yards. And the dude was tough. Tip of the cap to Lynn Bowden. Kansas City Chiefs week this week. It's not going to be uh, an easy test, but it's a great list miss test. And I hope the NFL has better jurisdiction of letting cooler heads prevail based on what happened yesterday when they take into account the entirety of the context of the situation than what they did when they kicked Xavier Howard and, and Tyler Boyd out of the game in the first half for open-handed shoves. Because Miami has a great chance to challenge a Kansas City team. I don't know necessarily, I'm not going to say beat Kansas City, but this team is going to be ready to play the Chiefs. I guarantee you. And the Chiefs, coming into this game, 11-1. They just beat the Broncos last night, 22-16. But I would, I would leave you with this. The last four games the Kansas City Chiefs have played, 33-31 win over the Carolina Panthers. 35-31 win over the Vegas Raiders. 27-24 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 22-16 victory over the Denver Broncos. This team is not bulletproof. They know how to win close games. They don't mind playing close games. Their offensive line can be had. Defensively, they do not play very effective football. They've given up 400 yards or more defensively one, two, three, four, five times this season in 12 games. About half their games. What they do do is force turnovers. Only one game this season, the win against Carolina, in which they did not defensively force turnovers. The challenge for Miami will be learning how to walk the tightrope and clock control and moving the football and trying to keep pace and heating up Patrick Mahomes and when to go zero. And, and that's all going to be a big challenge for this team. But it's a challenge. I hope the Dolphins are given the opportunity to take it full strength. And I hope the BS and the Bush League from Cincinnati doesn't prevent that opportunity from being one in which the Dolphins are best positioned to take advantage of or rise to the occasion for. We are, uh, we're still on baby watch in the Crabs household. Uh, I am going to record takes on takes this afternoon for tomorrow. So we're guaranteed locked and loaded for Monday, Tuesday this week. And uh, I still do have in the hopper some additional audio content if I need to build a bridge for a day or two. Uh, but I will make sure I find the time to give you guys the Dolphins content that you need because my personal family situation, it's on me to find the balance. And this team, this fan base, deserves every bit of success they are tasting right now, and I don't want to miss it with each and every one of you. Thank you for listening to Locked on Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoy.
I look forward to talking with you all tomorrow. Power to the pod. Already got some questions in the hopper. Courtesy put the tweet out this morning from Locked On Fins with a PH. You got takes, you got a little bit of time. Hashtag power to the pod with your question or discussion point. Let's get after it. Miami Dolphins, fins up, eight and four. Keep it locked in right here on Locked All Dolphins. I'll talk with you guys tomorrow. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.